Hello and welcome to the Magical Learning Podcast. In today's episode, Danette and Graham are talking about how to improve communication in lockdown. With a lot of Australia in lockdown at the moment, we are providing a lot of free content that you can consume, a lot of it to do with being in lockdown and around mental health and stuff. So definitely feel free to check out the rest of the feed for that. You can also go to our social medias to check out extra resources. We're also recording Green Rooms every Friday at 12.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time. So you can jump on them. Our links will be placed on social media so you can join just before. We hope to hear from you then, but until then, enjoy this one with Danette and Graham. Well, hello and welcome to this Thursday's conversation. And today we're going to be talking about improving communication through lockdown. And I'm really lucky today to have Graham Gerstenberg, my partner in crime and also the CEO of Magical Learning, joining in this conversation. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Thank you. Great to have you with us. Great to be here, etc. Nice. Now, in the conversation today, Graham and I are going to talk about, you know, first of all, communicating with yourself during lockdown, because what we've noticed, certainly what I've noticed with a number of clients, is that the self-talk isn't so great and isn't empowering us. And then we're going to talk about how do we improve communicating with others once we've worked out how to communicate well with ourselves. So... Question to start this with is, what have you noticed about communications during lockdown? So, Graham, I might hand this to you first. Uh, what have you seen both with yourself and with others um, in terms of communication? Well, uh, thanks for the, uh, the opportunity. It's a good question. Um, the self-talk thing, um, so communicating internally, I think one of the opportunities for all of us is to... Firstly, just be a lot, pay a lot more attention to what's going on between our ears. Um, there's, yeah, there's so much, there's lots of words we can use, the disruption, chaos, uncertainty, mess, pain, disappointment, um, disconnection, disengagement. There's, there's lots of words we can use to describe what's happening at the moment, what we're experiencing. And at the same time, we're all still here. We woke up this morning, um, yeah, we, the vast majority of have a roof over our heads, we have some sort of income, we have food, access to clean water, to clothing, to heating, etc. And so one of the things I've found with the lockdown is that we do tend to slip back into that default negative style of thinking. We tend to look at, focus on and think about a lot more, um, a lot more about what's not right, what we're missing, what we're missing out on, what we don't have access to rather than flipping that around. And, and again, just thinking about, okay, so there's a lot of things that perhaps if we're in lockdown at the moment, if you're in Australia, um, you, you may be in a form of lockdown. So it's easy for us to focus on all of the things that we can't do. And at the same time, there's still a multitude of things that we can do, and I think focusing on those is a good place to start. So the communication for me, just really broadly, has been there's a lot of focus on, again, all of the negative aspects of, of life at the moment, which is, is perfectly understandable. I mean, it's normally that's where our brain goes to. But the more we become aware of it, the more we can flip it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Some of the other things I've noticed, because I agree with Graham, a lot more people are focused on the negative, is um, that in organisations people either over-communicate so they keep communicating and, and sometimes it's way too much and sometimes they under-communicate because they just assume it's like it was in the office and, yeah, people will get the message pretty quickly. From the negative side, which I associate with people being stressed, we know that people need that consistency of message because they won't always hear it first up. So maybe over-communicating is better than under, but we can refine that as we go through this. So one of the um, questions I had before we go to the next slide is for everyone to think about, you know, how do you normally communicate to yourself internally? Is it more supportive or is it more negative? And one of the images that I found when I was sort of looking for material for slides was this beautiful one, uh, which comes from Unsplash. And I always like to acknowledge Unsplash because photographers like Julia Joppian or Jop drop in, um, share their images for free. And so I always like to acknowledge that. Now, this is, for me, how a lot of people's brains really are. They're full of old stories, old journals that are, you know, have been there for perhaps years and maybe are no longer serving us. So I reckon, given it is springtime, we should take the um, concept of spring cleaning and maybe apply it to our, our minds as well. So are there stories in your brain that maybe are no longer share, you know, worth you listening to anymore because they are more negative, they're no longer supporting where you need to go? And I just wanted to share and reaffirm what Graham said, that focus on our brain on the in the negative space is actually a bias. So it's called negativity bias and our brain is more likely to pay attention and to, um, particularly if there's emotion around it, hardwired into our brain that anything negative it's going to pay more attention to because it's a threat rather than a reward and a reward gets less attention from our brain. So catching that negativity negativity bias and not necessarily believing it, for me, is one thing I think that people could really do to support themselves and be self-compassionate um, about what's going on for them. Graham, I'm interested to hear what sort of um, ideas have you got about people and their thoughts? So the phrase that, that comes to mind for me a lot of the time, and it's a, a phrase that was coined by... Uh, a psychologist whose name doesn't come to mind now, but um, many decades ago, and it was this, this idea of stinking thinking. Um, and we, yeah, we we ran a podcast about it once. I, I wrote, um, I think, a blog about it as well because it, it certainly resonated for me. And I can remember a long period of time in my life, um, again, quite a while back now, but where I, I lived in stinking thinking. So... The and, and this concept of stinking thinking is really just that we we constantly hold on to and we give energy to and we and we give attention to thoughts that do not empower us or uplift us or make us feel good in any way, shape, or form. But because it's a habitual pattern of thinking, um, and I don't know, I know one of the phrases that you use sometimes is going down the rabbit hole. So it, we can tend to go down this rabbit hole of stinking thinking, and I, I love the image of the the old, uh, you know, all of the old books tied up with string and 
the the metaphor around they're the old thinking patterns that we've had for a long time and in any one really weird way they're comfortable they're familiar and because they're familiar they're comfortable and even though they don't serve me they actually make me feel worse because they're comfortable and because they're familiar it's like putting an old and old uh, putting on an old coat that I've had for years and years and years. And I might not have worn it much lately, but all of a sudden it's, oh, well, I could put that one on again. And it doesn't make me feel good, but at least it's comfortable. And there's a little bit of certainty around that because my brain knows where I'm going to head. And as I said, it's it's um, it's counterintuitive and counterproductive, but we still tend to do it. Um, the, bit of a rambling question, answer, sorry. But the other thing that's... Um, that stood out for me just thinking about this whole stinking thinking aspect of ourselves is the increasing need for us to find time to stop. Because mm-hmm. it's easy for us to, you know, to, to talk about this sort of thing and say we need to pay more attention to what's going on between our ears because that triggers or drives our emotional state or drives our behaviour. And we can absolutely get into this cycle, this self-repeating cycle where we just feel crap all of the time, but we feel that way because we're thinking bad thoughts, but we are not aware of that because we're also trying to do all of this other stuff. So finding time to stop and just disconnect from absolutely everything and pay attention to where you're at, pay attention to your thoughts and then ask yourself the question, is this helping me? What else is possible? Yeah, that's such great advice. And you're being present in your body to notice, is this what I'm thinking? Does it make me feel good? Does it actually empower me to move forward? Or as Graham said, is it keeping me stuck because it's comfortable, but it's actually something I need to discard because it's no longer serving? Yeah, and what a great image, hey? I was just like I loved it as soon as I saw it. So something for um, everyone to consider is the following question, and that is what do you need to stop saying to yourself? That is such a powerful question and I know that recently I've been journaling a lot and the start doing, stop doing, keep doing is really important. I think for self-compassion reasons, really looking at what is the language you're using internally and then consider what are those phrases that you need to stop saying to yourself. Now let's move on to... You know, communication with others. And here I'll bring in um, a couple of fun facts and then I'll hand over to Graham. So fun fact that I found out today is that statistics show that um, the average office worker receives, sorry, sends about 40 emails a day. And then on top of that, they receive about 121 business-related emails per day. So on average, that takes us about 15 and a half hours per week, which is about 16% of our working week. So communication, and that's just emails, that's not including face-to-face video, audio. Communication is clearly a really important part of everyone's working week. 
But one of the things Graham and I definitely know through all of the stuff we've learned is that what stops good communication is distractions. And just to share this one, um, Gloria Monk, who did a study from the University of California, Irvine, said that it takes on average around about 25 minutes to return to an original task after you've been interrupted or you've distracted yourself. And we tend to distract ourselves just like these two people who are sitting next to each other but not actually communicating with one another because they're on their mobile phone. So one of the things I would say is if we want good communication, whatever medium you use, we need to be present. So putting away or turning off devices. Now, obviously, if you're on a device, not turning off the actual system you're using, like we're using Zoom at the moment, but turning off all of the notifications from other programs so that you don't get distracted. So, Graham, your thoughts in terms of particularly distractions and how they disrupt communication with your colleagues, et cetera? Yeah, it's a great point. I love the photo. I, I was looking at the photo while you, you were speaking then, and, and one of the things that struck me was, oh, it, it looks like, because uh, we can't really see the context around it, but it certainly looks like they're outside. They've probably gone for a walk, so they've got a bit of exercising to get to where they are on that little park bench. Trees around them, it's fantastic. But it's sort of it's the paradox of our time in one sense that you can get outside and go for a walk and be in nature, and that's fantastic, but then we can't let go of the devices. So it's like we're, and, you know, you used the word presence before, and it's so, so important. We're there, but we're not. And the communication thing, um, quality, yeah, the word for me that comes to mind, and, and yes, you know, if we're in business, if we work in an organisation, email is a part of that experience for most of us. Does it have to be? I mean, I'm not sure. Um, but the thing that, that springs to mind when I think about communication and distraction is how much quality is going into the communication that we send. And you may not, you have some control over the communications that you receive, but you certainly have a lot more control over how you communicate. And the opportunity for all of us is to avoid the quantity, because that's the easy part. Just send 20 emails out or reply to 60 emails, that's the easy part. The hard part is the quality. Um, it reminds me of Mark Twain's comment about I sent you a, a long letter because I didn't have time to write you a short letter. And it speaks so beautifully to the fact that to get quality, to communicate with quality, sometimes does take a little bit more time and effort and, and pausing and thinking and planning. But what a beautiful thing to give to somebody else and what a beautiful thing to receive. So uh, the other thing that struck uh, me today when you were talking about the, um, sorry, is it Gloria Monk? Yes. Study, was that that, um, that distraction time is actually extending. Yes. Because there have been so many studies on this, and, and I can remember probably six or seven years ago they were saying it was 9 to 11 minutes. Now the distraction time is out to 25, so it's not getting better, it's going the other way. Um, yeah. The, the science is irrefutable. I think we, we know what distraction costs us. But, again, we need to pay more attention. And there was a, I was just having a quick look at a Harvard Business Review article before about paying attention to what you're paying attention to. You'll notice what you're paying attention to because there's the distraction. If you have an opportunity to go outside and go for a walk in nature, leave your phone wherever it was that you left to go for a walk. Don't take it with you. 
I love the presidency. Thank you. And, in fact, I um, did a course a few weeks ago through the hatchery and, and they had a, prof- a professor from Harvard and he was talking about this really successful um, woman who had was on over 30 boards, professional boards in the US, and one of her trademarks was when she sat down with another person, didn't matter who they were, she turned off her phone and put it in a handbag so that she was fully present. And that was part of how her success because she was able to sit entirely with the other person to find out what was going on. So I really love that. So some things for me that make communication better, and then, Graeme, I'm really interested in some of yours as well, is I think if we want to communicate better, first of all, we need to care. We need to care about why we're having the conversation and who we're having the conversation with. So it's thinking about what is the purpose? Why am I communicating with this person or people? And who are they? And what am I trying to achieve through that conversation? So am I trying to share information with them? Am I trying to influence them? Am I trying to express what's going on for me from an emotional perspective? Um, So what is the purpose? Then who are they? And what medium is going to work best for that person or those people. And I'm sure Graham will share the the most the best ways to communicate very shortly. The present bit is really important. And I think in that present space, bringing the caring through empathy as well. So I'm with you and I'm also empathetic. So I am trying to understand what's going on for you. And part of that for me is listening first. So trying to understand what's going on for the other person, understand their perspective, which I know will be different from mine. And in that space is is curiosity. So asking lots of questions as well. And for me, the story bit there is if I'm trying to perhaps influence or share what's going on, a story can often really get the other person thinking or at least understanding where I'm coming from. So is there a a short story, no more than two minutes, that I can share that can help, you know, share what's going on for me? And the other thing I would say is um, it's really important to be concise because we're too busy in this world nowadays. So Graham's thing about Mark Twain's absolutely true that, yeah, it takes time to be concise, but actually in this day and age with all the distractions, concise means we really have to have thought deeply about that purpose and how to convey it. And the last thing I'd say is if you want people to communicate with you, you need to be approachable. And that's where the caring comes. So, Graham, I'd love some of your insights. Um, thank you. Some great points there. You know, I love to be present in the stories. If we, if we look at what's the most effective or what are the most effective ways to communicate as human beings, face-to-face, in-person is still hands down, number one. Always has been, hopefully always will be. For a lot of us at the moment, it's not possible. That's okay. So the next best is, is what we're doing today, which is video, video and audio, because we miss a lot of the, the non-verbal um, a lot of the context, we pick up so many cues and so much other information when we are face-to-face with other people. We don't get as much of that on a Zoom call or a Teams call or WebEx, whatever it happens to be, but we do get some of it, so that's the next best thing. Um, yeah, after that comes audio and, and then 
as, as probably the third most effective. And then things like email and SMS are very, very distant, um, way down the list in terms of effectiveness. So at the moment, if we're in lockdown and, and we aren't able to communicate in person with others, then some of the other things to think about, again, wherever possible, use video and encourage the people that you're communicating with to do likewise because there's some really, really good science behind the value of being able to see someone else's face. And, and subconsciously for our brain, when we communicate with somebody else, they can see our face. It increases their level of, um, it's not so much relaxation, but they're less anxious. They're more inclined to listen, to be present, to trust, and to be able to communicate well. Whereas if they can't see our face at all, it makes it a little bit harder. Uh, the other thing that came to mind was intent and content. And we often tend to focus a lot more on the content because sometimes that's the easy piece. Again, going back to Mark Twain's long letter versus short letter. But for me, and uh, this goes back to your purpose, you know, why? What's my intent in communicating with someone? Because when I get really clear on the intention behind that, that actually drives the content. And, and it's, a, it's a slower process at the start because to do it well, it means that we have to stop, we have to remove distraction, we have to think about, you know, why am I doing this? And all of these questions that uh, points of Danette have got, you know, so audience, medium and everything else. Um, the other thing I was going to say about video, if you're communicating with other people via video at the moment because we're in lockdown, and this was a, just a wonderful reminder from um, a podcast, or actually it wasn't a podcast, it was a fireside chat that Danette and I were um, able to, to participate in this morning, run by an amazing human being and a really good friend of ours called Stu Saunders who's based just out of um, Toronto in Canada. And he, he was speaking with Jonathan Fields, who, um, again, just an incredible human being. He, he's, one of his bigger projects is called the, the Good Life Project, and he's done some incredible things. And Jonathan was talking about the value and the importance of quality in terms of um, technology and, and trying to create better quality when we communicate with other people because that actually changes the message. If, if we uh, are listening to somebody or we're watching somebody and we're listening to them, we're having a, a conversation with them, but their video is a bit dodging, the audio is scratching, I can't really hear them that well, that absolutely affects the communication process. No question, absolutely no question. So for us, when we schedule or organise a, you know, a Zoom or a video meeting with somebody, again, part of the, the purpose, part of our preparation, part of thinking about how do I make this quality is simple things like, can I use a headset? Can I make sure that there are no distractions around me? Try and do the best I can in terms of lighting, et cetera, so they can see my face clearly. All of those little things make a massive difference. It's possible for us to recreate an environment online that's closer to a, a, a really beautiful, intimate sort of connection between two people in the same room at the same time. We can't get exactly there, but we can get much closer if we, again, pay attention to the smaller things. Now, I love your uh, the point about stories. I think it's beautiful. Thank you. You just reminded me in that conversation. So even some simple things for people, um, you know, facing your computer to 
the back towards the window so you get more light. Can Again, people can see your face better, see those facial expressions. Going with Graham's bit about the intent, I, I reckon whether we're communicating verbally or written, planning if it's important. So if the intent's really important, actually plan and think, well, what's the order of priority of the points I want to make? And you don't want to make 10 points because that's overwhelming. You know, what are my top three points and how do I order them in that Prior, level of priority yeah, yeah. so that if people only hear the first one, it's the most important one. So that planning, I think, is absolutely really important as well. Now, my next question for everyone in this is, you know, what do we tend to do when something is boring? So if you're on social media, <laughs> like Graham, you might snooze, or, you know, social media, we might do this, or we might hit the delete button pretty quickly if we're on things like email. Now, something that um, we learned ages and ages ago, and I keep using my mouse and I haven't got it, the Bluetooth <laughs> turned on, so bear with me, is that our brain pays attention basically to four things. So it'll allow information through if it triggers one or more of these. Now, this I found really interesting and quite unusual. So if something is new, which this is clearly a new picture, and I'd like to shout out Isaac NC on Unsplash for this beautiful one. And I should have said GG2 on the one where the couple were sitting there on their phones. I'd like to acknowledge them as well. So anything that's new or interesting, and the reason stories are really important is it's personal often. So if you're using your story, it can really empower the communication. So we call that NIP, new, interesting, personal. Your brain will go, oh, need to pay attention to. The fourth one, you really don't want to use that much in communication because the fourth one is when we raise a threat. <laughs> but we don't want to do that because people's brains go, ah, and that then tends to actually divert the blood flow that was concentrating at the front of our brain to what was being conveyed to the threat or survival part of our brain. So when we, when we trigger a threat response, not so good at all. So, Graham, any other short, sharp tips that you've got for people to make their communication something that others would pay more attention to? I think um, so. probably the first tip is ask yourself, when was the last time you proactively um, registered, signed up for, enrolled and engaged in some form of um, learning and development program around communication skills. Apologies. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. For many of us, I think because we you know, communication is something that we just do every single day. And I think for many of us, we, we fall into this um, perhaps pattern of thinking that, well, I, I do it a lot every day, so I must be getting better at it because I, I do it so often. It's like, how can I not get better at it? And the short answer to that is actually quite easy. Um, to to misquote uh, Kay Anders Ericsson's 10,000 hours theory. Again, you, know, you could do something, practice something for 10,000 hours and still not be world-class at it. So I, for me, number one would be think about what can you do to actually learn how to communicate better rather than just assuming that, we're, that we are getting better because we do it so often. Uh, and the second thing I think just comes back to you have to stop so communicating on the fly all of the time because we've got a million things going on is a recipe for average communication. If it's important, then stop. Divest yourself of distraction 
and put some intention behind it because this matters. Mm. Thank you. A couple of things I'd love to add to Graham's. Part of good communication is that it goes back and forth. So asking questions and then really important is leaving space. Because in that space, people's brains make connections. If we interrupt, then that actually stops them making those connections. So when you ask a question, particularly virtually, but I'd even say in person, make sure you leave some space for the person to answer and then leave a bit more even if they haven't answered straight up because it can take them some time to make that connection. Sometimes when people are using a lot of video, give your team permission to turn off their video and certainly start by saying it's okay in this day and age we understand that animals might be in the background, children might come in and interrupt because we're going through homeschooling. All of that's the new normal. Don't feel like you have to apologise and make it okay if people do need to turn off for that or just it's okay that that's happening in the background. And I would say just from a cognitive load, try not to do back-to-back virtual meetings. Mm, It just drains your brain. Um, So make sure you leave space between between meetings. Now, for everyone... I'd love for you to consider the questions that I talked about a little bit earlier. Moving forward, based on what we've chatted about today, are there some things that you should keep doing, start doing and stop doing in relation to communicating with yourself and others? Now, I hope you take that and um, spend some time, perhaps outside in the beautiful spring weather, just reflecting on those questions. Now, Graham, any final insights before we finish up for today? I, for, for me, I think the key is uh, goes back to, again to being more aware, paying more attention to what's going on between my ears because that is also going to affect how well I communicate with others. So if my internal communication, if my inner dialogue is is not great, that's going to be reflected in how I communicate with others. So I think it's always start there. I love that. And mine um, comes from listening. So there is a massive difference between listening to reply versus listening to understand And so taking the time to just sit, be present and listen to the other person to understand their perspective really can lead to a really deep, rich conversation. So I'd love to thank Graham for joining me today. pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. And everyone else, until next time, stay magical. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Magical Learning Podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this. As you heard, this is on Spotify Greenroom. And if you want to join us next week, feel free. We will be putting the topics on our social media. So if you follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, you'll find out all the details you need about us. 
Beyond that, we hope you have a magical week. And if you need anything, uh, feel free to follow us on those uh, different social medias and you'll find that uh, we are often giving stuff away for free as well. Until next time, from all of us here at Magical Learning, have a magical week.